Hello, hello, welcome back. Festivity time is here, Christmas sparkle is right around the corner, and I want to talk today about something a bit more depressing than that. (laughs) I want to talk today about what to do when you mess up. I know that doesn't seem like a very festive episode, but stick with me here because this is really, really important for when things aren't going to plan. So I I want to dig into this because I know many of you are going into the holidays feeling like I don't have a plan for something. I feel like things are not feeling easeful. I hope they are feeling easeful for you, but in case you're listening and you're thinking they're not, I know that one of the things that happens is what do we do when we mess up? I've messed up in some way. What can I do? How can I enter a positive upward spiral? So that is the topic of today's episode. But before we dig in, how are you doing? How has your year gone? I'm currently gearing up for a wonderful festive downtime, but at the same time, I'm also gearing up for a wonderful, exciting new year. And part of what we're going to be doing in the new year is getting you ready for a spectacular 2023. And that starts with saying, how did I do in 2022? (laughs) So right now, I'm planning these events for January because we have to do these a little bit ahead. And it made me realize actually what we should be doing in the run up to Christmas is saying, how did my 2022 go? How did you feel about it? What have you achieved this year? What did go to plan and what didn't go to plan? Where have you made mistakes? How can you learn from those? And where have you done something wonderfully unexpected that you're like, I want more of that? I would love for you to let me know. I would love for you to pop over to LinkedIn, send me a DM on LinkedIn, respond to one of our social media posts, pop in the comments, what were your reflections for 2022? And then I know that you've listened to the podcast because this won't be mentioned on social media. This will only be mentioned on the podcast. Let us know how you got on. Let us know what you're excited about. Share with us all the ups, all the downs and ask yourself, who do you want to be next year? And then I cannot wait to see you in January when we turn all those reflections into positive action to make 2023 an even better year for you or maybe just the best year yet. Depends which way you want to look at this. But back to today's topics, I want to talk about what to do when you mess up. The thoughts and feelings we have when we mess up in some way can really cause us to enter a negative downward spiral that stools us. It's self-reinforcing. The negative thoughts you have mean you mess up more. You're stalled in your progress. You procrastinate. You shy away from owning things. And this becomes self-reinforcing. Things get worse and worse and worse. You back yourself into a corner. You don't own up to something. I've known that people threw each other under the bus in this situation. I think if I'm honest with you myself, I've never done it really badly, but I have thrown people under the bus when I've messed up. It was a shared responsibility. And rather than owning it, I was just, I was so uncomfortable. I pushed it onto somebody else, which I'm ashamed to say out loud. <laughs> That's one of my growth moments. Now that I've done all this work as a coach, I have to do this work on myself first. How many of you have actually not fully owned something because it's so uncomfortable? I'm hoping you aren't really ashamed of it, but either way, whatever, however bad it is, it's important to own this and not allow ourselves to go into this downward spiral. Because here's the thing, we can take the thoughts and feelings we have of when we mess up and turn them into positive action. That's really what I want to get to today. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. 
I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Owning up to a mistake is hard to do. It triggers vulnerabilities. We tend to become afraid that people, especially the people we're leading or the people that are leading us, are going to think less of us. It can feel like a threat to our own identity. We might think we're going to get fired at the worst case scenario, but either way, we think people are going to think we're less good at our jobs. It's normal to feel frustrated, embarrassed, even ashamed, maybe multiple emotions at once, maybe just one of those very deeply. Sometimes you might not know the difference between the different emotions you're experiencing. But what we want to be doing, and this is part of executive presence, you know I love talking about executive presence here on the show. (laughs) Part of what you want to be doing is to learn to manage your reactions. Learn to confront your emotions so you can clearly communicate the problem you're, you're facing, caused by you messing up, yes, but the problem. There is now a problem. You messed up, there is a problem. Otherwise, you haven't really messed up. <laughs> you might think that the problem is already been and gone, but there's a problem. Communicate the problem and clearly communicate the solution. Remember my mantra, be the solutions person, not the problem person. That applies when you mess up as well. If you can go in and say, hey, I've messed up, this has happened, here's what I'm going to do about it, just want to let you know, or do I have your blessing to go ahead and do this, whatever you need in order to move forwards in that situation, you're likely to get a yes, and that's okay from your boss. A good boss, actually even mediocre bosses, know that we mess up. <laughs> I had a boss many years ago now, and I really messed up on something. I... I really, really messed up um, and I put the organization a little bit at risk as a a result and I was very ashamed. And I knew I couldn't solve this by myself, but I had a plan of action. And I had a very mediocre boss, I will say that. And I went to them and I said, hey, this happened. I genuinely made a mistake here. I had no idea that this would happen. It was a complete blind spot to me. I should have done better due diligence. Here's my plan for moving forwards. And here's how I make sure this doesn't happen again. And I was fully expecting this person to blow up because they had a bit of a reputation for that. In this particular instance, they were like, that's totally fine. Like, we get it. Like, you've messed up. We've owned up to it. I appreciate that. And we will mess up. And they actually told me a story about how they messed up earlier in their career. And I genuinely thought this person has such a reputation for being a firework that this could be the end of my career. (laughs) Worst case scenario, I'm going to have to like pay something financially because it costs the organization some money. And... Actually, it didn't. So people can sometimes really surprise you because most of us, if we've got to a senior position, have messed up. If you haven't messed up, I'd almost say you're not growing because you're not trying things and making mistakes. When we make mistakes, we learn so much. Now, some mistakes come from just trying things. It isn't necessarily a mess up. It's just, well, that didn't work. But what we're talking about here is you you genuinely messed up and you feel like you should have known better rather than I tried this and it didn't work and we should try something different. This is a, I made a mistake that really should never have happened and I've caused some harm in some way. I'd actually pause enough to say, have I actually genuinely caused some harm? Because if you haven't, you probably haven't messed up as much as you think you have. You might just be saying, I should have known better, but the world has not ended. (laughs) But if you can go in with that problem and solution and clearly communicate them, have a mitigation strategy, 
you are going to get actually a lot of respect. But to do that, you need to confront your own emotions. If you're unable to manage your own reaction, you're not going to be as an effective problem solver. So the first thing to do is to get your emotions in check. That's an executive presence skill. It's a different topic for another day. If you want some guidance on executive presence, including that, please go check out my executive presence mini course, uh, link in the show notes. But get your emotions under control first, because only then you're actually going to be able to rationally and more effectively solve the mess that you've created. And with that solution that you're proposing, be able to clearly communicate it. While you're a hot mess, my love, I hate to break it to you, you're not going to be as good at problem solving and you're definitely not going to be as good at communication. I speak from a lots of experience on that one. As somebody who really, I think for until very recently, I lived a life of an emotional roller coaster. I still cry a lot. I, part of what I do is I release energy by crying, I think, although I do it less than I used to. But I have, for a, the, my entire life, had a, such an emotional reaction to the whole of life, whatever it throws at me. I am the person that cries at the news. I cry at movies all the time. I've now learned to control this professionally because it doesn't actually help me. It is useful in some respects and I am very empathetic. I think it goes hand in hand with my empathy. Um, so by the way, if you're listening to this and thinking, yeah, I'm an emotional basket case at times, I'm an emotional roller coaster, it may well mean you've got very high empathy and this is a great skill. What we need to do is just control the emotional reaction and make it work for you, make it useful for you. Whereas if you're somebody who doesn't have this, we probably need to work on lifting your empathy. So whichever way you look at it, there's work to be done, but it is a good thing. But what we want to be able to do is control it in that moment. So work on that first. Because only then are you going to see the solutions in front of you and be able to communicate it. Let's talk about what might happen. As I already mentioned, worst case scenario, if you don't do what I'm going to advocate in this episode today, when you face up to this, you may well decide to throw other people under the bus. You may well think, I can't own this. It's very uncomfortable. Somebody else is actually at, at play here, especially when it's your team that's messed up. A lot of the time, when it's our team, we want to throw our team under the bus. It's not our fault. I hate to break it to you, though. It is your fault. <laughs> your team reports into you. When leaders don't take responsibility for mistakes, it can greatly affect the morale of their team. They were potentially doing exactly what they thought they should do. Your job is to make sure that you're comfortable with what they're doing. Now, there's a tricky one here because you don't want to be micromanaging, yes, but if they have been operating within your remit, within the boundaries that you set them, it just so happened that those boundaries were not sufficient or there wasn't enough information, unless it was a malicious act, then it's on you, my love. I know that sucks immensely, but it was. This is where I made a mistake. Somebody had done something and with my blessing and then it came back on me and I was like, oh yeah, that shouldn't have happened. And I threw that person under the bus. And I am so ashamed of that to this day. I should not have done that. There was some joint blame. We both missed the key things. But honestly, the majority of the blame should have been with me. I was the one that messed up because I didn't say no. In fact, what I should have done is stuck up for this particular team member because I actually don't think it was as bad as we were led to believe in the moment. But that's a whole different story. Also, don't try to hide. Don't try to hide this thing you messed up. Hope that no one finds it or minimize it own it. Now, with minimizing it, there, there is a caveat to that, which is a lot of the time, and certainly apply to the thing where I messed up and 
I thought the boss was going to have fireworks at me. I thought this was huge. I really did. I thought this was such a major deal. I thought I was in so much trouble. And legitimately, what it was going to do was cost the organization $3,000 if we didn't manage to resolve this. And actually, $3,000 in the grand scheme of things for an organization is nothing, (laughs) right? But in my head, it was enormous. So sometimes when I say don't minimize it, I want you to not minimize something because you're trying to hide it. What I don't want you to do is fail to realize that this is kind of a non-issue or this is not as big as your little scared brain is saying it is. You've got to get a legitimate hold on how bad is this and then not minimize it. So you, you've got to get that executive presence piece. You've got to get the emotions under control. You've got to rationally say, what is the cost of our organization of this? What is it doing? What are the long-term implications? What are the short-term implications? How bad is it really? So that your little brain that's going, holy heck, what am I going to do? Isn't just going off on one. That is a way to not minimize in the right way rather than not doing the work to get your emotions under control and therefore not fully analyzing it and then minimizing it in addition, right? A lot of the time I will say to people as women on average, you know, massive generalizations here, but like, you know, we tend to do this more than men or we tend to do this or, you know, if you find yourself in this and you might want to just compensate for it in this way, which might mean we minimize something, we maximize something. I often say to women, if you look at a job description and you're 50% qualified, go for it, you know? There's an average rule that kind of works. You compensate for our imposter syndrome or our lack of confidence or whatever it is. In this particular scenario, if I said to you, you're likely to be making this more than it is, so just allow yourself to minimize it, that is not going to work. This is one of those situations where I cannot say to you, correct yourself by just allowing another thing, another effect to come in. Because what you're doing there is... You're, you're playing two emotions together. You are saying, I'm just going to allow myself to overreact and then I'm going to compensate for that by overreacting in an opposite direction by minimizing it because I'm scared. You're creating two opposite forces that are just going to make a hot mess. We want both of those two things to be valid and rational. This is really, really important. So rather than saying, well, I know I'm going to overreact, so I'd allow myself to minimize. That's not going to work. <laughs> The most important thing you need to do is get your brain in the right place. Do a proper analysis. Look at the numbers. What is it actually going to cost? What is the impact? Do you have to fire somebody? Do you have to hire somebody? Is it going to cost somebody a week's worth of time? Like, What is the cost of the thing that you've done that you're so upset about? As a leader, you should own the problem completely, yes, even if you didn't directly cause it. It's your responsibility if things go wrong. It may be difficult to realize that as a leader, even though things may not directly be your fault, it is your responsibility. So please, please, please do not assign blame to individuals in your team. You need to educate your team, yes. There might be some tough conversations one-on-one, like, how did this come about? Tell me your reasoning. But partly that's so you can learn, so you can become a better leader and make sure this doesn't happen again on your watch. You then need to educate the individual that this was inappropriate, something happened, but then you've got their back. Because as the leader, this is your responsibility. Your job as a leader is to protect your team. And covering for your team is what great leaders do. Your team will be grateful, appreciative, and will trust you even more as a result. If your team does mess up, correct them privately and address the issues privately. Okay, let me give you five quick tips to take ownership and move forward. One, 
admit your mistake, apologize, avoid losing your temper and blaming others. To do that, you need to get your brain in control, like I've been saying, (laughs) but admit your mistake, apologize and avoid losing temper and definitely do not throw anybody in the bus. Number two, don't ignore the mistake. That can be demoralizing for your team, for you, and is a massive source of toxicity. Ignoring or minimizing can be the worst thing a leader can do. Actually, when we've messed up in such a way that we can ignore it, is actually a great time to say, why did that happen? What can I do to make sure it doesn't happen in the future? Even if that means I have to have an uncomfortable conversation, a crucial conversation, but uncomfortable. I have to get uncomfortable because if I do that now, something more serious down the line is not going to happen. I still find myself challenged by this day to day. I have a new cleaner. I adore her, Katie. Love you. Not that you're going to listen to my podcast. She comes in every week and we've only been working with her for about six weeks now. And I've realized that I need to challenge her on some of the little things that she does. I'm like, I just don't like that. (laughs) That's not the way I want to do it. It would be so easy for me to just ignore it as a tiny little thing that she does. It's a mistake in my mind. But I know that if I do that, my leader side of me, right, in this instance, is saying, if you do that in two years time, this is going to be a hot mess. You're not going to like it. And so I'm having those uncomfortable conversations now as we're building our rapport, because I know that long term, it's going to mean things go better. So this applies to every aspect of your life in that sense. But I would ask yourself, why am I shying away from having a conversation about this mistake? Why am I not getting uncomfortable here? I don't like this. This should not have happened. What do we need to be doing? Number three, communicate the mistake clearly. Define it, state the necessary steps to recover, delegate the steps where possible, and then look for feedback on how to move forward and how to avoid it from happening again. Get feedback from your team on that. What should we be doing as a team to make sure that doesn't happen again? What processes and practices, what conversations do we need to be having? What should I have told you to make sure that didn't happen? Ask those questions. Also ask them like what similar things might happen that we haven't thought about yet. It's a great learning opportunity. Actually, when you have those kind of conversations in a group, this is great for morale and great for building team cohesion. Number four, lessons learned become teaching moments. Kind of already been talking about this. (laughs) When leaders open up about the mistakes they've made, same way I've just been doing on this podcast, that can help the team with their own professional development. The fastest way to build a great team is to share knowledge. That applies to the mistakes you've made in your career and what you would do differently moving forward. Every year, the world becomes more complicated. We have new innovations, new technology, new tools. What you learned at university is likely out of date. That also applies to the mistakes people will make in their careers. And the final and fifth step to take ownership and move forward, accept the consequences and take corrective action to not let the mistake happen again. What do you need to be doing? What does the team need to be doing? What processes and practices need to be put in place? What do you do, though, when you can't solve the problem? This is such a hot mess. This cannot be changed. This cannot be solved. I've got some top tips for you here as well. First of all, over-communicate. Give regular and frequent updates. It shows you're paying attention and you care. This is incredibly important to your boss, your peers, and your team. Then make clear expectations from everybody on what they need to be do to resolve the problem. Give deadlines, deliverables. Yes, you're owning this, but you need to not just own the problem, but you also need to own the route forward, even though you can't solve the problem yourself. So you're going to give people deadlines and deliverables, and you're going to be following up on that. 
You're going to be checking in. You're going to make sure they have the resources they need. You might need to move people off projects in order to do this recovery, but you need to own the path forward. One of my summer jobs when I was a student, I was working in a lawyer's firm and we were dealing with remortgages and I misfiled something that meant somebody's remortgage didn't go through on time. By the way, this happened all the time in the organization. <laughs> I really wish I had gone back there with what I now know, except it'd be boring because it's lawyering, um, not my cup of tea. But going in and be like, why do you allow this to happen all the time? But this was the one time I made that mistake. The difference between me and the other summer students doing this work was that when this happened, I fully owned up to it. I was devastated because I thought I was basically doing a perfect job. I knew other people did this all the time. But like this was somebody's remortgage. This was now costing somebody money. I believe actually in this instance, they got a refund from somebody because it wasn't their fault. It was the system. It was probably their mortgage company that had to pay and they probably charged the lawyers we were working for. I don't know. But it was a mistake not of the customers making. What I did is I stayed until 11 o'clock that night redoing everything so that their mortgage could go through the next day. My boss said to me at the end, like, we've never seen anybody do that. And I was like, well, this is somebody's life that I've messed up here. Like, this is really important. The difference being here was that I fully owned it. I gave deadlines to myself. I gave deliverables to myself and I turned something around. It's really, really important in that situation to manage expectations, to clearly define what you're going to do moving forward and give everybody the information they need to take the right kind of action. Then talk to others to see if they're able to see a solution. So you might not be able to solve the problem, but maybe somebody else could, you just can't see it, especially if you're struggling with your emotions. So try and get your emotions in track enough that you can calm down enough to have the conversation and not be defensive and not dismiss solutions but quite a lot of the time, when somebody else is removed from the issue, they will have a very different perspective than what you've been considering. And then finally, come up with a plan to prevent the mistake from happening again. Be proactive. This shows that you're taking the mistake seriously. So those are the four key steps to do when you can't solve the problem yourself. Over-communicate, give clear expectations from everybody involved, talk to others, see if they have a different perspective, and then come up with a plan to make sure it doesn't happen again. But I want to finish up, as always, with mindset. There's a silver lining here. This can be an opportunity for your career, the silver lining to messing up. If you can show you can solve problems, recognize when you got something wrong and dig yourself and your team out of a hole, the reality is that everyone messes up and you're going to be the one demonstrating you know how to resolve it. You're going to be one to saying, yes, I'm human, I mess up, but I've learned from the misstep and I can move forward and becomes a crucial lesson you can share at every interview because you always get asked like, when have you messed up? What are your weaknesses? All this stuff. How did you grow? And in addition, it says, well, if this person messes up again, which they likely will because they're a human being, we can trust that they're going to own up to it. They're going to do something about it. And we're going to be stronger as an organization as a result. Being vulnerable and owning up to mistakes can build great leadership respect. When you own up to a mistake, there can be a new level of respect involved. People appreciate leaders who are honest, who are vulnerable. And as long as the mistakes aren't repeated, being real and down to earth with your team, with your peers, goes a very long way to keeping that respect. And the final thing I'm going to say here is when you mess up and you solve problems, you quite often come across things you would never otherwise notice. This can be game changers for companies. Yes, when we mess up, it might cost the company something. But sometimes the best things for companies come out of a mistake. What if you were the one that came up with that? 
What if, yes, the mistake was yours to own, but as a result, you did something extraordinary for the company? I'm not saying you should go out there and create mistakes deliberately. This is what happens, though, when there's a genuine mistake that is dealt with in a really powerful way. Because mistakes often happen because something else has been missed. So this is your silver lining. (laughs) That's the mindset to take into this. Yes, your emotions are going to get a little bit out of whack if you're a human being, most likely. You're going to be very concerned. You're going to be a bit distressed. But later on, this might just be the silver lining that your career needs. Okay, that is the end of this week's episode. If you loved it, do let me know. I'd love to know if you've ever messed up, what you did about it, or what you're going to do differently next time, because there will be a next time because you're human. (laughs) Remember, until next time, stay in your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Women in Tech podcast.